What's up, everybody? Welcome to the seventh draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside the BFCA Bachelor, Eric Marchin. Happy birthday, buddy! Yeah, thanks. I'm uh, I'm, I'm 30 now. It's it, it feels. Feels like there's more responsibilities there, and I only have one rose for seven strangers. I should have said uh, the BFCA birthday boy, but I fucked that up royally. Yeah, but, well, you know, um, you sure did. I sure did, but we're seven episodes deep now. We uh, we apologize if this episode sounds a little different. We are uh, in the midst of packing for New York City, which we mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, for Eric's 30th uh, birthday, we're heading down to NYC for the New York Film Festival to check out the uh, Coen Brothers and the Orson Welles film, as, as long as uh, seeing Venom at Alamo Draft. Hence why we so. won't be reviewing it for this episode. Yeah, so we're just going to kind of uh, do a quicker episode today. The audio might sound a little bit different, but um, it should be a, a fun episode nonetheless we have uh we're gonna review bad times at the el royale we're also gonna talk rocky 2 and then we're gonna talk a little bit about john favreau's uh the mandalorian and the list of kind of directors and what that's about but if you guys are joining us for the first time this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week eric and i kind of get together and shoot the shit and talk movies and the structure changes every week and right. what we talk about is different and the length week. as well <laughs> so uh it'll never be the same you'll never know what you're getting every week but it will be every monday 9 a.m eastern um on podcast services uh, around the globe including including spotify now that was yeah. a big thing yeah so this week uh spotify uh opened up their uh their service for all podcasters so uh we submitted right away and we're up on spotify so you guys can find us on the google play store now uh the itunes apple podcasts um stitcher uh stitcher i think we might need to fix up but then and now spotify and as well as a, a multitude of different platforms where we'll randomly show up so just gotta get on uh, that soundcloud <laughs> so please subscribe everywhere you can uh drop us a review uh like comment share you know all that jazz um if you guys are enjoying this but uh uh, thanks for joining us again. So, Eric, we are heading um, to New York tonight, so this is going to be a little bit of a quicker episode. We're yes. We're going to cut out all of the <laughs> excess nonsense we usually talk about for like... We're going to try like, anyways. Or I'll talk about what video games I'm playing for f- 55 minutes before we get into the first uh, review, but... Uh, quickly, uh, what what's new with you? You just hanging out? Have you yeah, been watching I mean, anything? For, for Canadian listeners, it's the Thanksgiving weekend, so I spent a little bit of time uh, with the family before heading out to New York, and uh, it's been good. It's been good. I've been trying to watch some horror movies as well to kind of get into the, the festivities, although I do watch a lot of genre all year round, so, you know, try to keep a good balance. And I'll talk more about that maybe in the, in the weeks to come when we maybe do maybe a Halloween-themed episode. Yeah, for sure. I've been starting a little bit. I watched um, Cabin in the Woods, which makes sense because we're going to talk about Bad Times at the El Royale. So um, after we saw that a few days ago, I was in the mood for some more Drew Goddard. So I, I watched that. Um, and then just been I watched uh, a few other things here and there, but um, rewatched Thor Ragnarok for some reason. I just love well, it. Well, maybe because can't. of the uh, Star Wars uh, Exactly. News. So it all kind of comes together. But let's get straight into it. I think this is the <clears throat> quickest time we've uh, uh, ever taken to get into a review. Uh, let's review Bad Times at the El Royale. Okay. So this is Drew Goddard's follow-up to The Cabin in the Woods. It took six years for him to direct another movie, although he did uh, adapt the script for The Martian. 
Um, this time around, you have seven strangers all in one location, and that location is the bi-state uh, novelty hotel uh, called the El Royale, which is divided between California and Nevada, although it costs more to stay on California, more. and coffee is 25 cents. Um, and the characters range from a kindly priest played by uh, Jeff Bridges to a backup singer played by relative newcomer uh, Cynthia Revo, who will also be in Widows. Uh, you have Dakota Johnson, uh, uh, John Hamm as a uh, vacuum salesman, and each one of their stories or, or their backstories is told in chapter-based intersecting uh, non-linear storylines in the kind of way that uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie would be, perhaps. And what I found most fascinating about this movie is almost the uh, biblical theology kind of uh, undertones that are that are being played through this. I mean, it, 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 it to me, it reminds me of something where, you know, you have characters that are, are uh, biting for each other's souls and are sort of facing final judgment and eternal damnation, so to speak, in a, in a meta way. The, the same kind of way that, you know, with Cabin in the Woods was a deconstruction of horror. This is looking at religion in a kind of interesting light. And then there's all of these mini-movies within that. Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I am totally agree with everything you said. And uh, this is one of my most anticipated fall movies. And uh, we luckily got to see it a bit early. It, it comes out on October 12th. 12th so yeah. um, this is kind of a, a bit earlier than we usually do our reviews, which is kind of nice. But um, it's it's fantastic, man. I loved it. I mean, uh, you put it perfectly. Like, I didn't even clue into a lot of the kind of religious... I mean, other than Jeff Bridges' Well, being character. a priest. But, like... A, in quotations. Yes. and uh, But how you described it there of like being at the gates of, of hell or, or um, to be judged based on uh, your life and your choices and kind of uh, these seven kind of bad apples all going to this one spot and, and kind of he seeing those stories. And I, I don't know, man, like it's, um it's just the perfect slow burn kind of chapter based uh, thriller that I, that I exactly love. And I, um I do think that the chapter based storytelling that you mentioned really kind of breaks up the, the length because it is uh quite hefty at almost two and a half hours and, right and um i think the performances are excellent and the casting is fantastic uh which is interesting because some of the casting changed before they went into pre-production like john ham was originally uh, russell crowe was in that in right part and, and um uh beyonce was wanted for the cynthia revo character mm. but i don't see i couldn't see any other actors other than the ones that were selected in those roles i feel like both crow and beyonce would have been also quite good but right. like i i do think that i mean ham and and revo are are fantastic um uh uh, Bill Pullman's kids in yeah in Lewis, this, right? Lewis Lewis Pullman who, yeah. who it's interesting because this year he was also in um, the Strangers sequel and also right. um, Lean on Pete uh, this performance he really comes into his own yeah. and he I mean it's scary how much he does look like his dad at times but I would say that like. Uh, not trying to give anything away, but the last act, he almost walks away with this movie. I still think it is Revo's film um, in terms of acting, but the real star of this movie, in my Chris opinion... Chris Hemsworth abs. <laughs> of course, always. Um, but even that's an interesting role for him because he's really yeah. playing against type considering yeah. he's this kind of almost Manson-esque cult leader that's encroaching on uh, the, the Lake Toho... Uh, 
Tahoe uh, yeah. re- resort and in his and his sycophants and but the, the 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 real star in my opinion is um the editor and the yeah. editing and uh Lisa Lasek who times some sequences so perfectly that you you they're almost breathless. You just want to hold your breath because you don't know how it's going to Yeah, what, how play it mixes out. with the sound design. Yeah. And there's a couple sequences, even using um, Revo's voice as kind of the score of the movie almost. Yeah. Like throughout. Because it almost, it's not, and, it's not like auto tuned or like there is an echo to it at times. It but, sounds live. Like, yeah. It, no, it, almost, it was. Yeah, that's it what was. I mean. But like they took the live audio of her performances and just the way that it's edited, like you said, over some sequences. And like there's one sequence in, in particular that I don't want to give away. Right. Um, but that you're talking about where it kind of shows a multi-perspective kind of uh thing that's going on and it times it to uh the kind of beats in the song and it's really really fantastic right and you don't know where it's going to go and and i mean the whole movie is kind of like that's one one element i really loved is that uh it's not predictable, um, but it doesn't feel like it's just throwing shit at you from left field to surprise you for the sake of surprising you. Like, I feel like all of the twists are fairly earned, or I was genuinely right. surprised at them. And there's also, I mean, there's also a great deal of 1960s iconography, you know, from archival video footage of, you know, Nixon on the uh, television screen mm-hmm. to the music that's selected. I mean, the, the Isley Brothers. To or, an event that yeah. possibly happened during, um, at the El Royale and, and maybe what one character is going after. Right. And, um, it's it's really cool. And, and it's not in your face in the way that, like, I think you can easily miss it if you're not really, like, you, you most people, I think, will get what that that footage was but i feel like it doesn't spoon feed it to you which was no but i mean it is of that era and and again like i think through the archival footage one of the characters kind of mentioned really kind of basically says who he is um by the way he treated him um and then on top of that again like the soundtrack like you have the isley brothers you have the four tops deep purple like the the music choices well, the jukebox is almost a character in yeah the movie and too, and right? it'll be interesting we've been talking about this how you know once upon a time in hollywood is going to play after seeing something like especially this especially this kind of having a manson like character, character in, in the it, peripheral and like, so and a multi-perspective different character kind of like it's in a same in the same time period, although this yeah, is late sixties. This will be a single location, but what hap- what if Tarantino frames it uh, from the 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 Tate murder and then has these different stories that all intersect with something that that leads to that? That would be pretty similar to kind of what happens in the in the last. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything that way. It's just right. uh, something hap- like it all leads to Chris Hemsworth's character, and then it it's um. I don't know, man. It'll be fascinating to see, the, it, like you said, the music choices and just uh, how those compare. But yeah, um, and then it, again, like some of the uh, the cinematography by uh, Seamus uh, McGovery, who also did uh, uh, one of your favorite movies from a couple years ago, Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, like the way that his camera kind of floats into places that you don't really want to go where you feel that there is a certain amount of tension or dread. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not giving anything away, but there is a reveal that there is a kind of two-way mirror situation. Yeah, you see that where, in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, because like, you, uh, you do wonder, like, if somebody has... That's part of the mystery. It's not... Right. It isn't the mystery. It's like, oh, why are they watching these people in these rooms, and why does each room have a two-way mirror? And uh, Yeah, and, and that's something that Drew Goddard seems to have a, a, like an, interest in, a an interest in, because, I mean, that was very similar in Cabin in the Woods, where you had, you know, characters kind of pulling the strings from a higher level of maintenance or management... Or management. <laughs> 
Um, and then also his weird fetish with wolves is also another kind of thing that comes up in both Cabin in the Woods and in Bad Times at the El Royale. But it's, it's a really hard movie to categorize because I wouldn't say it's like one type of film like right. it's multiple movies all rolled into one it's a little bit of horror it's a little bit of suspense it's a little bit of drama i mean this is a drew goddard's world is weird because you have chris hemsworth with a south californian <laughs> accent and then xavier dolan shows up in this movie as a music record producer and he is a french canadian but he is doing a weird british accent it's so weird and i i know that the majority of people who see this movie won't even know who Xavier Dolan is, but like it's just it's so funny seeing him pop up in things um, this year that we saw at the festival. Yeah, and, like Boy uh, Erased as well, yeah, and, and he'll be in It Chapter Two yeah. and um, and things like that. So I mean, good on him for like it for taking uh, roles like that. Well, th- these are the the roles that get his movies funded, probably, right? So, yeah, he probably makes a decent amount for like one scene worth, right? Then, but uh, it, but it is interesting though, or like, he's just I, a fan of these people too, yeah. probably right, and reaches out to them. Yeah, or they reach out yeah. to him because. I mean, I could see someone like at least, you know, Drew Goddard maybe being a fan of, of Mommy or, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tom at the Farm. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's a very strange mix of, of genres. But at the same time, I can also see that this movie won't play for everybody, especially yeah. those thinking they're going to get something that's similar to The Cabin in the Woods, because this is not a deconstruction of a genre. It is playing it straight. And it's a slow burn, and I can see why it just wouldn't connect with some people and um i was talking i'll give a shout out to joey noel of um kind of funny um she was talking about her um thoughts of uh, bad times on the kind of funny morning show and um she did the same thing where she brought up my opinions as kind of a, a she did not like the film at, at all and she's a huge cabin in the woods fan and was uh, very excited for this um but she said she had some of the issues with the the storytelling and she liked the performances and things that we're talking about but right. she kind of thought when it went into the characters backstories and and um with some of the exposition there she just felt like it felt unnecessary and overlong because of that and just like she didn't really connect with any of it and just felt it was too kind of disjointed and um which is totally fair it is a slow burn and it is like well it does have a television kind of vibe when it does get into the backstories flashbacks and because kind of like lost or even you know when when goddard first started with with buffy the vampire slayer like you Mm -hmm. can see that that structure is in play when it's kind of introducing each individual character and setting up their arc so we kind of get you know backstory uh you know present and and past and then sometimes interspliced in there we'll get sort of what's going on within the hotel and what's happening as a a function of that well i think that's why i actually liked that in the sense where you're introduced to all these characters kind of in a uh, like i mean it plays out exactly how you would where they each kind of show up at the hotel one at a time and you kind of get a little bit but you know there's some mystery behind each character right and and they're really great performances and i liked when each one of those chapters would start and would say room one or room five and and then you start with this flashback of what that character is hiding or where they're what like why they end up at the El Royale and I felt like that was really really great and I feel like for a single location movie like this it's it's perfect to kind of take you out of it for a little bit and then surprise you at where it goes whether it's 
a war sequence or or like um, a, 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 a bank heist or, or a record yeah. studio, yeah, or then, or, um, or even you know uh, uh, the FBI. Like it's it's yeah. it's all like again like it's playing with so many different genres that you're getting like eight or nine movies rolled into one, mm-hmm. and I think that that can maybe turn people off a little bit as well because maybe they want something that's kind of more focused. But I kind of like the idea of like what brought these people to this situation and this one night at this hotel, right? Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of like the Chekhov's gun theory of 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 writing where like each piece of the puzzle is important to the overall film like you can't have you cannot have one character without the other because that's going to affect how the how the movie plays out and it, and it's 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 a way of of showing you that um you know the alchemy of when it comes together that it was all meant to be like it, right. there's no coincidences here it's mm. it's all supposed to be tied up in a in a way that you know Drew Goddard is in control and then i like when you brought up the religious like allegory stuff that i mean that kind yeah. of makes sense and i mean they They've even, I mean, he was a, a writer on Lost, and I mean, anyone who's seen that series knows, yeah, some of that. Well, like uh, even uh, uh, Matthew Fox's father, what, yeah. what was his name? Shepherd Jack Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, and the whole finale, whatever way you 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 fall on that. I know he wasn't maybe part of that, but he did um, was a significant part of Lost. But but this is a much, um, I'd say, a much less optimistic movie. It's more sure, pessimistic, yeah. and it's kind of like these characters. It's nasty. And yeah, like, these characters are kind of all. I mean, they have. There's a couple things here and there that they have good traits. Like, I really love the scenes between Revo and Bridges, and and there is some truth to their their conversations. And um, once they open up to each other, it's really like. But even when they're lying, but they're still they're They're still still telling the the truth. Yeah, or where does the truth lie? Like, there is some truth in the lies. Um, But what what I also love about the film is that when it is taking its time to tell this story, it's giving you. Um, these extremely interestingly paced, um, you know, storylines, but it, it's 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 not afraid to not rush into anything, and I think mm-hmm. I appreciate that the most. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you, and I feel like even the length being long, I I feel like it does earn it, and yeah. I feel like it doesn't feel like it wastes anything or. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel the length at all. And again, I go back to I love breaking up a, a movie like that, especially at that length, because it just, like you said, feels like you're watching a bunch of little uh, mini kind of things that all come together, and it actually works as a cohesive unit by the end. And, it truly um, is Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah. Like, like just like I kind know. of what it is. Yeah. Not not just like referencing Tarantino, but like as as a right. movie. It's, yes. it's, it's a pulpy B-movie that's playing within the milieu perfectly and within with sprinkled within that there are some really interesting shots and edits and performances performances that i think really help sort of bring it all together yeah Yeah, and 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 again like i i think this movie is going to maybe become more of a cult classic than anything else but it's very deserving of that and if you do see it i mean try your best to go and see it on the big screen because it is worth that experience and yeah, it with feels really great sound and 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 things i would definitely suggest it i, I mean we were talking a little bit of how we think it, it's going to perform and and i do feel like um your kind of modern audience might not connect with it just yeah. based on it's a little harder to get into based on it being a genre film and at its length and and yeah it's kind of like it, hold the dark where you recommend it to somebody but you can't recommend it 
as you know just a thriller or a, you know like a, a, a survival naturist movie like mm. it's not that at all and it's the same with this where it's not just one thing and it's going to be hard to convince people that maybe are just your typical moviegoers because it's not going to be a friday friday night fright flick right which is totally fine and i get that too so i mean i i suggest that if you're even remotely interested to give it a shot and if you don't like it that that sucks i i hope you do but like i um I don't know, man. I was just taken with this, like, with this movie, and it's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. And, it's like, perverse, subversive, um, weird, um, kind of funny, kind of touching too. Again, because I think the Revo and Bridges yeah. stuff works perfectly, and, and that even the, ending with is with Paulman well and, and everything. I think his like character arc is actually when you think he's just going to be kind of a throwaway kind of. Yeah, he's going to be the exposition yeah. of the actual location because he's representing. He's the only one on staff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there again, there's this weird voyeuristic vibe as well that it kind of plays with throughout the entire movie that you're not sure if something's going to supernaturally intervene, but it's really kind of playing, you know, uh, against, uh, the genre tropes that you would maybe right. suspect. And even the red herring, you said the Chekhov's gun of like, um, even that, the, the footage that you think someone might be going after and like, um, uh, I like that that's just kind of literally like just thrown away right <laughs> it's like it's not really about that even though you might it's think it's that, it's but... more of the MacGuffin than anything yeah, that's else what I, yeah um but what what works with that is just the, again the setting and the history and of the, it. even the storytelling when it came to that with again i go back to not spoon feeding it, you it and you're kind of going okay what was on that yeah. footage or, it's pretty clear and, what it is it, it is it would but be i one feel or like two people but it's the time period in which it takes but i place. still feel like you're giving people <laughs> too, too much credit, credit well maybe like, younger people as that's well. what i mean like I, I i don't know i just feel like that was i think there's a reason why a lot of films spoon feed audiences things and i just feel like that will go over a lot of people's heads of what that footage probably was and it's interesting that they like go that route with it and insinuate that right um, and then yeah and they never they never mention it but it, again like it's but they do drop j edgar's right and there. not just not just j edgar but i mean again having nixon on yeah. the, the screen and telling you that this is, you know, Vietnam, uh, pre-Watergate era, you know, again, Manson um, period. So, like, like it's, like, all those things, like, if, you, if you're familiar with the late 60s, That's what I mean. they, like, all those sure. buttons will click off. Exactly, like, I know, if I, I knew exactly what yeah. they were leading to, but if you're not familiar with that time period and the events in American history, history yeah. then you're probably, and I'm not even the biggest... Like I don't know jack shit about most things, but right. I did. I did go okay. I know who's on that footage, and and it's just I'm like, oh okay, that's very interesting. But even how that like again, like without spoiling, like it's kind of interesting how one of those characters reacts to it in yeah. a very apathetic way. I would say, um, but it's again like it's understandable why that person would act that way uh, towards it. Um, but yeah, like it, it all feels like these characters are 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 in search of something or on their own kind of terms, and then you know they're brought into a a, a bigger picture that Drew Goddard is is kind of the puppet master of, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's playing with you. But it's 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 fun to kind of be toyed with a little bit in, in this movie, and 
Um, yeah, it's it's a pulpy good time. I loved the setting. The hotel is actually Sean really... Vancouver too, yeah. which I thought was interesting because um, um, I mean it's usually probably expensive to shoot in California or Nevada, but right, you just well all they had to do is build a set that looked like an old sixties. Um, yeah, that, and they had other locations as we mentioned in some of the flashbacks and stuff. And I kind of like that it's it's kind of run down and it's seen better days and like it, it's it's very tacky looking like i like john ham's character is obsessed with getting the uh the honeymoon suite <laughs> right and he's just like <laughs> it's like well i had claims to that one well there's a reason to yeah yeah but but in terms of his first yeah. impressions yeah. and the kind of person he is well him putting on his shtick right yeah. for everyone so um that's not a spoiler he's not actually a vacuum salesman everybody uh as it <laughs> Mostly everyone in the movie isn't who they say they are. Right. Um, but I loved it, man. I thought, like, I was... It's not often that I'm genuinely surprised by some plot points in movies. I feel like uh, you can telegraph things from a mile away when it comes... And that's not a bad thing, either. There's tons of movies where I knew exactly what was going to happen, but... I mean, look at any Marvel movie. You know, right. Spoilers, they usually win except for the last one. Right. And they're uh, usually fighting a giant CGI yeah, version of themselves. themselves. Yeah, but I still enjoy the ride. So, right. I mean, with this, I was genuinely caught off guard with some of the, the twists and turns, which I feel like um, is something that you don't get a lot anymore out of some or most scripts. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really have like a formula or like a set kind of pacing style like it kind of moves to its own sort of uh to its own strange psychedelic beat if you will and and i think that that works i kind of like the shagginess of it um and and again like i think that the movie is going to be polarizing to a certain extent especially with those looking for something that's maybe more commercial and slick this is definitely it's 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 kind of i i mean we we talked about uh this after the screening you brought it up is that it's kind of you know close to a cure for wellness in terms of it's like it's not a studio movie but it is a studio it is a studio movie but someone let they're like you're genuinely surprised that fox gave them the money to do this and I, i know i've said this before on the podcast and other places i mean it'll be a shame when they ultimately go because i don't know if disney will take the risks that fox did on some of their r rated adults mid to high budget like yeah um, excluding like fox searchlight exactly yeah searchlight i mean is searchlight and they'll always be searchlight i think even when they move over and they take obviously huge risks and and do interesting projects but when it comes to the big almost blockbuster type like i don't know if i'd call cure for wellness or bad times a blockbuster but they're in that like upper middle tier of yeah, like they, of but they Hollywood, had a substantial studio budget, movies right? studio yeah, movies yeah. essentially like r-rated adult studio movies yeah. and and revo and, even has uh widows coming yeah, up next, which is another one exactly which fox produced yeah. and um disney's and, widows yeah and uh lots of disney princesses and, and <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i don't know like even with uh, we were talking about this too with some failures like um covenant uh, alien covenant which yeah. i mean i know me and you are prometheus fans a lot of people well, even aren't. Prometheus. I mean, um, and Prometheus did better than Alien Covenant, but look at Prometheus in, in terms of, you know, you've got a huge science fiction juggernaut that's kind of trying to expand on the mythology that's been created and do something different. Right. And again, bring in kind of religious connotations and rhetoric. Um, and it isn't going to please everybody, but at least it's trying to do something different. And it's also a really, I think in my opinion anyways, a solid horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. They take genre and they twist it and, and give good directors 
solid budgets to make their movies and and although it doesn't always work i uh, i applaud them for being a big studio that makes these r-rated movies and even things i know you're not a deadpool fan and you went on a rant about yeah. deadpool last and day. i don't hate ryan but reynolds like... i should also say the thing i do like about ryan reynolds uh, that i forgot to, that i should have said is he does uh these sick kid uh psas and i think that that is really uh awesome. yeah you were more playing into the, yeah the... and also just more so him as like an actor and making these choices <laughs> Yeah. Um, so please don't hate us, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and thank you for supporting sick kids. Um, yeah, I, I, I really loved it, man. I think um, it's one of my favorites of the year. I think Drew Goddard needs to make more movies. And right. uh, I know he's Which I'm now a- nervous that he might not be able to because like if Gore Verbinski yeah. post A Cure for Wellness, like he, he he'd be lucky to find a job. And, and I feel like... I think Drew Goddard will be okay because maybe he'll latch onto a comic book film and do. I mean, he's, he's, he was rumored to do X Force. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen still. And but then Sinister Six. six so it seems that, like he's yeah. interested in doing and Daredevil it. too, right? Like he was he an executive was, producer. Well, he was supposed writer. to uh, do the whole first season of Daredevil, and he right. ended up dropping out. Right, and Stephen K Knight. Or yes, whatever, who yeah. is the uh, director um, of Pacific Rim yeah, uh, Uprising? <laughs> um, he jumped in and, and ended up, and Drew Goddard was just a producer on this show. Yeah, I and I, or an executive like, yeah. producer. Um, so it seems like he is interested in just comic book genre, the comic book genre, and I could see maybe Marvel doing something with him, like at some point. Well, but... especially with an ensemble cast, like he seems to really handle that quite well. And like I was also mentioning with the characters, these characters in both Cabin in the Woods and in in this are archetypes. Yeah. So he plays well with kind of broader strokes, but he can bring something internalized. Uh, the characters a little bit more with the writing and the right casting. And I think, like you mentioned, how he deconstructs the genre and those and those archetypes in Cabin in the Woods. He does a similar thing here, but not in a satirical or comedic. No, no, kind he's, of way. he's 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 not. It's um, not self aware. He's still. I mean, he's still breaking it down to a certain extent. But I think he's built this one back up. Yeah. Where I almost feel Cabin in the Woods is almost a, both a commentary and statement on what the current horror genre is like and what you know should be continued and what should be what should have a moratorium on it at this point and what kind of plays for the goofy scares the jump scares and all that so yeah and 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 the other thing that's kind of interesting um because whedon joss whedon was a co-writer on uh cabin in the woods i'd say bad times at el royale has funny moments but it's not consistently witty where the humor is more to quote john ham morbid yeah 100 percent uh, so definitely check it out. Comes out good uh, times at the bad uh, 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 bad times of the yes, old way Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so it comes out uh, not this Friday, but the next. No, October twelfth. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. It's this Friday. Yeah. Okay, this upcoming Friday. I I don't know what day it is. I know it's the um, same. And uh, so definitely a hundred percent check it out and let us know what you guys think. It's uh definitely worth your time in our opinion. Okay, changing gears, um, we're going to continue our kind of uh, Rocky review. Uh, Rocky 2. So leading up into uh, Creed 2, we decided to watch all the Rocky movies and and talk about them each week. So last week we talked about the first Rocky film, and we both watched Rocky 2 this week. Yes, which really um, is a remake, or the definition of a sequel. Like, it's the same movie over again, just it introduces... Um, the actual recap this time because you couldn't yeah. have a recap for the first movie. Um, it has. It's, oh my god, dude! I the first <laughs> fucking fifteen minutes of the movie is the end of the last movie. So right. especially because we're watching them pretty 
close after we watched the other one. I'm like, fuck, why is this right. so long? It was but remember when, when, when they it's came years out? Yeah, it's a couple after, of years. But, but still, it's like Rocky was like a huge film, so it's like you don't really need that we, recap we, at the we beginning. We understand he lost, but it yeah. was... Uh, but, it's a sta- but it is a staple of the series that will also continue. Uh, the other main change in the film is that Rocky wins at the end in the in the rematch. So, and and, I and think other that, than that, pretty much the pretty same. Much movie. The same thing. Although, I mean, it is interesting to see how Rocky and Adrian kind of deal with a fame. little bit of fame and yeah. a little bit of money. Like you see him I doing agree. commercials yeah. and how kind of like the people that are uh, directing and producing them him. judge him, call him like a you know a bum and a, and a moron. An and again, it goes back to him having to prove himself again, yeah. right? Because even though he did this incredible thing in the first film and he he set himself out to be rich and famous and things like that people still don't take him seriously and right. apollo doesn't take him seriously even though he went all the way with him well he's like, considered like a one-trick um, pony or yeah. it was just luck of the draw and and, and again you know, it's kind of like the Chuck Webner, Muhammad Ali story where, you know, it was kind of like a flash in the pan kind of situation. But here you have him kind of, you know, trying to do his best for his family. Like the money that he makes, he basically spends it all on Adrian and and, and Polly and buys a house. Sick tiger jacket. He buys a tiger jacket. Um, he, he overspends. He... He wants to continue to fight, but that's that's the main conflict I would say in the movie is that Adrian is is more protective of him or, or concerned that he's going to get hurt mm-hmm. in the ring. So she's kind of saying, "Well, like, don't like find a different job or find a different way to make money now that you know we we have this established success." And it weirdly turns into a soap opera when she goes into a coma. Right, but after she gives birth. Yeah, and, and like, the, but there's this kind of nice moment when she when she does wake up and she says, you know, like, go do it, but yeah. this time, win. win. And, like, him learning to read it for, and, like, reading to her and stuff. I think, I like their relationship. I do, I too. genuinely do. And, like, although it is very much the same movie, but uh, I don't know, I just, I, I had a good time with yeah. it. And, like... Um, eat, I did, eat lightning and crap thunder. Yeah, I did think um, the intro was a little ridiculous because I, I put it on while I, we, I was packing for New York because I was like, okay, I got a couple hours, I can uh, kind of have it on, and and uh, I was, I'm like, oh my god, what, are they literally showing you the whole fight from the end? Of Wait the last until we movie? get to four. I am yeah. so excited to get. I to haven't four. seen. Like, I feel like I've only seen bits and pieces of all of these, or I haven't seen them in ages, or when I was very young, or um, because four literally um, is just a series of montages, oh and they god. recycle scenes from the three previous. <laughs> movies throughout the entire film oh boy yeah Uh, because i was like laughing to myself going oh my god they're just literally like the editor went back to the last movie took the last 15 minutes and just placed it in yeah and this Um, is stallone directing now as well by the way because john g adelson moved on and didn't want to do a sequel but he ended up doing uh the karate kid and the karate kid uh chapter two or part two and three and three i think so because the the next karate kid is with hillary swank which was 94 maybe right. Jaden Smith um, no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I I, I... I do really like the relationship. I liked what you were talking about when uh, it came to him doing the commercials and getting a little bit of money. It reminds me weirdly of Happy Gilmore. Do you remember the the scene where he does the subway commercial? It's like a hole in one. Like (laughs) like you can tell, like it's it's very like he's not he's not in his comfort zone, but he's trying to be affable at the same time, and it just doesn't translate on on a a TV screen. Right, and I even like that they just continue that with. 
he he literally goes toe to toe with the world heavyweight champion, but then he's trying to find a, a a normal job. He keeps talking about how he wants to prove that now he can sit behind a desk and like just do work that's right. not manual labor and things like that. So I found that that was interesting where he would go in and did a job interview and they're like, well, what skills do you have? And he's like, I just want to do it. Right. <laughs> it's just like, uh, and then he ends up working at the meat, the meat packing plant. Right. And uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I like it. There were a lot of callbacks, but like, I felt like it again. Yeah. Like you said, it is the definition of a rematch or a sequel. Yeah. Or, like, or even like the presser with, uh, uh, Apollo and and Rocky where the guys like so uh, can you can you say something derogatory about the champ? Derogatory. He's great. He's a good fighter. He's great. But I but but again I think that last moment of the movie really it, it's emotional. It, it is works. actually like, yeah. like the way like first he thanks like Apollo for giving him a second chance. Then he thanks Mickey for training him. And then you know like he says like. The only thing other than, uh, you know, my son being born, this is like the greatest moment. And, and then the Yo Adrian line. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And like, he, I, I just believe his performance. And there was a reason I think he got nominated for the previous film, obviously. And like, yeah. I think he continues that and he really owns this character. And like, when he gets choked up talking about that, that, and I'm like, oh man, this is actually. The makeup's still pretty good yeah. too. Like, yeah. that was the other thing, like with the, the swollen eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one thing we didn't mention in, in, in the first one is that when they cut open the, like, oh, well, cut man has to come in right because yeah. he can't see out of his eyes so they need to kind of get the goop and the blood and the whatever swell it's so gross. Up. and yeah i don't so, know how boxers do that man. yeah and then uh which is funny we're recording this the day after did you see what happened with the ufc fight yesterday oh uh, conor mcgregor? mcgregor and habib Nabizab. so mcgregor um, lost right mcgregor lost he tapped out um but then after the fight habib uh was yelling at one of Connor's corner guys and then jumped over the cage and did like a fucking karate kick <laughs> at him into the crowd. And then everyone went like, which is so funny. I was talking to my dad about boxing today because he's like, well, boxing's not really a thing anymore, right? Like right. No, one, no one gives a shit about boxing. Like, No, I don't. The, yeah, the like last time we cared about boxing was when McGregor fought Mayweather, right? right. And then... Uh, yeah, you don't hear it like it's it's... MMA, right? Yeah. That's the kind of paper. But even event though, now. even even UFC, I feel like has been on the downturn for a while, and right. it's getting more like what boxing used to be, right? Which was all these fucking goofballs that would like yell, have promoters and yell at each other, and start like shoving matches in the ring and and shit like that. And so, I think like, that's what people wanted to see because I remember like, but like, then it turns into WWE, and like right. it's just like I don't know, except like, really violent. Like I mean, yeah, I remember but real. Like, I think I think like boxing for. For you know our generation, like growing up, I think like the thing that everybody remembers the most is the Mike Tyson ear biting thing. Yeah. And, I remember and, that vividly. Yeah, and like that's like ev- what everybody took away from like boxing being extremely violent. And well, I think that's when boxing started to kind of go go downhill. downhill. Yeah, like because it was a joke by then. It was just like Mike Tyson's biting people's fucking ears off and yeah. stuff like that, and, and doing like, other horrible yeah. things outside of the ring exactly. that made him yeah. a name. And yeah, somehow yeah. he's still around for I, some reason. I don't know. And like, he's been to prison, and yeah, he yeah, I don't know. He helps pigeons though. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting seeing, uh, and we still get boxing movies, which is is interesting when boxing's not really a huge yeah. thing anymore. But they're but all period stuff, right? Usually, like it's from yeah. like you know the sixties onwards. But then you get things like Southpaw and like things that are a more modern kind of take on it, and, and Creed, and, yeah. and I mean like the fight 
it like the fight in the first Creed movie is very well produced and exactly what like an HBO boxing event would be like. But right. it seems like way, it just cuts out all the boring it, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it just it it seems like a bigger deal than it actually probably would be. Right. Right. I mean, but I well, guess if heightened. these but if these characters were real in the real world, we'd be just as hyped to see fucking Apollo Creed's kid fight fucking Drago's, uh, Drago's kid, yeah. kid and stuff like that. So that's the kind of shit that you want. And that's exactly what Apollo talks about. Right. Yeah. And like, he, he well, it's an exhibition it. match at that point. Um, and it's well, not that, really... but even in the, in these first two fights, he just wants it. He's a marketer as well. Yeah. Right. He's a promoter. So, um, and I wish there was more and, of him in this. That's yeah. And it almost thing. reverses his role of like Apollo needing to prove that he's not a bum either. Right. right? Like, well, yeah. Cause, cause it, it um, well, cause, it, cause even his wife like says like, why do you, or everyone's telling yeah, him. Yeah. Cause his coach, it's like, it's like, well, you believe I won. Well, you got the decision. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I won, but I didn't beat him. Or right. I beat him, but I didn't. Yeah. Or and I'm... and that's in his arc is very interesting in three and four. Um, and we'll talk about it more when we when we get yeah. to those movies. But I really like his storyline and and how it changes over those first four movies. Quite cool. A bit. I'm excited to see that, and especially leading. Oh, into and especially and... the montages with him training Rocky. Oh God, I can't wait till we get the beach scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I there love... are some amazing crotch shots. Yeah. In, in, in... Oh great, oh, perfect. Good. We were talking. I was at a, a friend's birthday yesterday, and we were talking about Pred- the Predator because yeah. they, they'd seen it and. Um, uh, surprisingly, Ryan Byrne didn't really care for the Predator. Nice. I, was, I thought if anyone's gonna like the Predator, I thought it'd be Ryan, right? My, my buddy Ryan, but he was like, he thought it was okay. Like I kind of, and you, you like it a bit less. I think that. I was mostly disappointed um, by it. I would say that would the, be the best way yeah. to describe it. And he was just, uh, and he was talking about how he wished it was Arnie, Arnold at the end instead of. Uh, but anyways, we won't get into that. Well, that last act in, in like, Predator is just a mess. I know, but I mean the last sequence. I almost wish instead of that dumb fuck. Anyways, we won't get right. into spoilers. But um, we were talking about in the first Predator movie with the fucking when they shake hands and they're yeah. just giant biceps. Dylan. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's the best. Um, but yeah, I know. I'm excited to continue the Rocky franchise. I I, I really did kind of. Um, enjoy this even though it was pretty much a repeat of the first one yeah it's it's definitely somewhere in the middle in terms of like my ranking of that of the series um it's it's i think it's still really good um, yeah, we'll rank them as we go. I would still say the first Rocky's better. Oh, the first but... Rocky is is better, and I actually do think that Creed and and Rocky Balboa are better than this as well. And I actually really do like uh, Rocky Four, but not for the reasons that it's a. At that point, it's not a Rocky movie it's anymore. Just a, it's just yeah. a 1980s yeah. Stallone film that is a perfect. Uh, again, time capsule of 1980s excess. Sick, can't wait. Oh, it's good. So we'll uh, continue this and watch. Uh... Anything else? You know, last words on on Rocky? II? Um, no, not really. I think uh, in in the third one we're gonna get more into soundtrack specifics because we'll have you know Survivor's Eye of the Tiger and stuff like that. And then again, like the, when the '80s starts really creeping in, you can tell that like it's less Rocky and more Stallone. Okay, cool. Um, so tune in next week. We will review Rocky Three. Yeah, I'll have to figure out when we're gonna watch that. Maybe I'll throw it on my. Uh, my phone for the the bus ride or something when right. we're going to New York with Mr. T. Um, all right, that wraps up kind of uh, the reviews of the week. Uh, let's move quickly into uh, talking a bit of news before wrapping up, and uh, we'll head over to New York. So the one thing I wanted to talk about this week, the only news story that I, unless there was something else you really wanted to talk about, but I, I texted you pretty late star wars always does this they just drop something randomly like on twitter at like fucking 9 p.m or 10 p.m on a weekday or something um 
but Lucasfilm announced that um, uh, The Mandalorian is the title of the new Star Wars television show for the Disney streaming service. It's going to be eight episodes uh, produced and written by Jon Favreau. And he's um, the showrunner? Yes, so he'll be the showrunner and the um, and the writer of this show, producing every episode with Kathleen Kennedy and, and, and uh, Dave Filoni and a, and a couple people at Lucasfilm. And then they uh, announced all the directors for the eight episodes, um, which I was not expecting to hear, one, before casting even, and right. uh, two, some of the names that were on that list, I was completely shocked it's by. It's pretty eclectic. It is. So we have, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure I can remember everyone, Um we have uh, Dave Filoni directing two episodes. He's directing the season premiere. He's who, no phony baloney. Um, who is awesome. Do you know Dave Filoni with the cowboy hat? And have yeah. you seen him? Yeah. He's, uh, he was the showrunner and creator of uh, Star Wars uh, Rebels as well as the Clone Wars. So both their animated series. So he's steeped um, in the mythology and, and Of that minutia, era too. Because yeah. like his bread and butter was uh, that prequel leading into um original trilogy timeline and i think people like his uh animated series even more like even though they're in that prequel time period that people don't really love but they love the shows that he's done so it's i thought that that was really interesting choice to have direct season the season premiere as well as uh, i don't know if he's done any other live action directing but um, definitely very familiar with the universe and, and that time period. And Oh, sorry, I guess I should say what the show is about, too. So they announced that it's called The Mandalorian, which is about a lone gunslinger on the outskirts of the galaxy um, uh, who is from the planet Mandalore, who, which is the planet Boba Fett and, and Jango Fett came from. And, or just uh, Jango Fett. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully they fucking fix that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We got to retcon um, this. Yeah, I know. I, 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 that would be the one retcon I'd be like, yeah, just please yeah. don't. Get him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to uh, not probably all take place on, on Mandalore, but it'll be in uh, various uh, planets on the outskirts of the galaxy in between the time period of Return of the Jedi. Or, sorry, not Return of the Jedi. After Return uh, of the Jedi? No. Um, yeah, after Return of the Jedi, before... Yes, because it's after the fall of the Empire, but not the birth of the New Order. So, right. sorry. I thought... Sorry, I got because that Because it's, it's, it's post Boba Fett falling into Sarlacc Pit. Post-Jedi, pre-Force Awakens. Right. Sorry. So, I got that backwards. So, so it's basically um, in the same uh, uh, timeline as Shadow of uh, the Empire. <laughs> hell yeah man <laughs> gotta get um, dash rendar in dude there. i want dash rendar to show up hopefully he could show up in this show yeah um so anyways yeah that's the show they showed the first image which you guys can see on the um if you go to untitledmoviepodcast.com it's the uh hero image for this episode um dude looks like boba fett <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, well um, somebody was pointing out that it looks like boba fett from the first time he was introduced which was the life day special <laughs> with, there's an animated sequence yeah. with a boba fett type character that's basically the same outline but he he doesn't have a like a jetpack like yeah a, like he has more like a staff kind of, yeah. gun kind of thing and he yeah. still has the mandalorian helmet which is what boba fett looks like so it looks cool um and then the list of directors. So Dave Filoni is directing. Um, we have Bryce Dallas Howard yes. um, directing. Who will direct the better uh, uh, yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars content? Yeah. Ron or Bryce? So that's kind of cool. Um, shit, I forgot her name from Jessica Jones. I want to pull this up. You got to so pull it, yeah. Um, 
uh, a director from Jessica Jones. I will find her name right now. I apologize that I'm uh, blanking on it. Um, Rick, I can't pronounce his last name. Fuki, Fu. Uh, the director. Uh, he's he's the director of Dope, and there was something else he did. Uh, I think the the Woods uh, back in the early two thousands. Right. Um, and he was going to do. Uh, the Flash. Right, and he dropped out. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, Deborah Chow uh, from Jessica Jones, Rick uh, Famiua, I think I, I'm probably butchering that, but yeah, you guys would know him from directing Dope. Uh, I mentioned Bryce Dallas Howard, um, and then Taika Waititi uh, is directing the finale, which I think um, came out. They uh, Some people are directing two episodes, so I think Filoni, Chow, and... Um, and uh, Femiua is are directing two each, and then Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika are directing one episode each. Right. Um, and does do, it say what? Like, is there like a specific length for each one? Or length? Uh, they haven't revealed. I'm okay. gonna guess they're probably gonna be between forty and sixty minutes. I think they're hour yeah. um, long episodes, especially if you're doing eight. Um, Man, Taika's been really busy between Thor Ragnarok. Uh, well, no, even before that. So, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, which is coming out next year, and now this. And then he's still been developing his animated uh, Bubbles, uh, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson's pet chimp movie for years now. The guy has just been... And he's also got the What We Do in the Shadows series that he's, a, I think he's a producer on. Yes, the FX series, yeah. right? And then... Um, he's been killing it, man. And I think he even cameos in the first episode yeah. of that as well. Um, <laughs> SpaghettiOs. <laughs> so good. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts, man? Like, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this will sort of set the stage for Star Wars in a medium that isn't film. Because the only... Other versions I can reference in terms of TV was the Life Day special, the right. Wookiee's Life Day special, and there was a couple um, Ewok movies or TV movies from right. the, I the mean, eighties. Right. I mean, now and this we is can... going to be big for Disney too because this is going to be the, their the huge kinda... launching pad yeah. for their streaming service. This and those Marvel series we talked about with um, Loki and Scarlet Witch and the, some of the MCU characters that they'll be doing, and then they've yeah. also God, announced... I hope they get morph. They also <laughs> they also have announced other um, TV not TV movies streaming service films that are going direct to this yeah like service. Lady and the Tramp um, is one uh, yeah. and I think they're doing a uh, oh that was the news uh, Lilo and Stitch uh, oh, live yeah, action yeah. movie is that going to the streaming service or? I think so I think yeah. that that's the plan once the streaming service starts so once they do more live action remakes of their animated stuff that's going to end some up of going. it will go to the streaming service yeah because yeah, Lady and the Tramp is a streaming service but it's weird that something like Lady and the tramp would end up going there just because it seems like that's a big property like if it was like you know the great mouse detective or something like that i could understand why they would want to throw that on or oliver and company like why they would want to throw a right. live action version of those there but i mean if anyone's going to compete with netflix it's going to be disney yeah. and like they're going to have these killer kind of um like apps or or content that you're going to want to have the streaming service for and in eight hours of star wars and um is is going to be interesting and with different directors for as long as it's not the last and, jedi like, you're right <laughs> um i don't know man i'm fascinated by this and i think it sounds cool and like um i think this should probably take the place of uh the rumored boba fett movie like right uh, or the or the anthology or... S- film series in general for now yeah. like i think that they've maybe after solo have shifted postponed like... that for now in terms of theatrical release and like you're saying like there was rumors that we were gonna get 
a bounty hunter movie and also a Yoda film. So maybe the Yoda movie will become a series as well. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm not against it. It's probably any uh, like a, the budgets are still supposed to be massive. Um I'm Disney sure Disney has the money. Yeah, and I'm sure the quality will feel more um like a Star Wars or MCU or Disney quality theatrical right. experience just broken out um But do you think into... it'll be oversaturated at some point? I don't know. 8 episodes is um I think a good amount. Um, But say we get that, but then on top of that, we get a new movie as well within the same calendar year. And not just, you know, what Favreau's doing, but also what the guys from uh, Game of Thrones are up to. And then, you know, whatever else is in in Ryan Johnson's trilogy trilogy and whatever else comes down in the pipeline. Yeah. Pipeline. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to hard to tell. Like, I, I again, when Marvel started doing the shows on Netflix, we at least I was excited. I liked Daredevil a lot right. the first season. It's kind and of then, ignore those. Yeah, and then now world. I forget that they even exist. Right? Like yeah. Daredevil season three is coming out next week. Yeah, right? they're introducing and, and, yeah, Bullseye. Bullseye. I saw a trailer like, because it was on uh, yeah a, a Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I mean, and Vincent D'Onofrio's back as Kingpin, so like I, I'll probably check it out. And Daredevil's the one series I've actually finished out of all of them because like. I couldn't get through Jessica Jones. I couldn't get through um, Luke Cage uh, after they killed off Mahershala Ali. And then like... Iron Fist. Um, Iron Fist I didn't even bother with. And, and the Defenders. Like, Defenders I didn't bother with. And then um, Punisher I, I couldn't get through. Um, I liked Punisher in Daredevil. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I hope that doesn't happen. The one thing I, I, I like that Disney has has kind of i mean i liked solo enough and right. um i it's don't fine. i don't think we were at a point where we were getting too much star wars but i was worried that we were going to get there because and i think someone came out recently if maybe it was the head of disney saying that yeah maybe we were a little bit over eager and, and we gave too much too soon because right. it doesn't feel star wars always had this element of, of feeling like a, a it's an event movie. event and, and it felt special because you yeah. were only getting it um, but then this could go back. Like, look, we've always had Star Wars uh, comic books and cartoons and for merchandise. The long yeah. So like, it's it's there if you want to consume it. And I don't think anyone was complaining when they had Clone Wars or had Rebels uh, going right. on. And it was more th- those were more niche, like the animated movies. Right. Like, Where even this with that... will be like. But then they started to make them important. Like they're all canon and like. Yeah. Uh, we saw Darth Maul. Spoilers. Sorry, everyone. Solo's uh, been out for a Maul. while. Yeah, please. Um, Darth Maul show up in um, in Solo, and and um, which I guess if you weren't if you'd never watched any of of Clone Wars or or Rebels, you didn't know that Darth Maul was still alive. Right. But he's been alive for a long period of well, time. Well, he's only and, half a man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I'm excited for this mostly because of who's involved now. Right. Like I uh, with. Taika especially because I've wanted I right after Ragnarok I'm like a Taika Waititi Star Wars thing sounds awesome and I'm hoping that this might be a launch pad too for them to kind of dip their toes and see how how they are but I'm also curious of how each individual style will come across in the show in eight episodes and right. like will I, it be cohesive or follow a template because John Favreau is writing all eight episodes yeah. right and then um, but will Taika's voice come out in his episode right my guess my prediction which I said to you and I posted I think on Twitter um, now that it's been revealed that he probably is directing the finale I have a weird feeling 
because he's from New Zealand as well, that he might be playing the lead and then direct the finale. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised at that. I think that'd be great casting. um, Yeah, because we talked about that. You even brought up, you're like, hey... What about Taika Waititi playing uh, Boba Fett? Yeah, and uh, or like a new or a prequel or whatever. And I'm like, that's an amazing idea. And then that might kind of be happening. And like, maybe not, but maybe it's just because the character uh, is was not. He's not from New Zealand, but they cast a. He's from New Zealand. The actor that yeah. played uh, played him, right? Yes, and, and uh, Commander Cody. Um, right. <laughs> um, so. I don't know. It, that would be really cool. And then I wonder what tone they're going for with for the show right. too, right? But you look at other shows where, I mean, like any shows really, where there's multiple directors. And like you look at something like, you know, House of Cards, which is coming back for its sixth and final season. Still feels season. like Fincher. But... It, it's, well, Fincher sets it up and, That's he, and he establishes mean, yeah. the tone and template. And then the filmmakers that follow kind of keep follow within that, the lines. Yeah. They don't kind of – like. I mean, I'm not saying that he has, like, an aesthetic style of his Schumacher. own. Schumacher? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I would be like, oh, Joel Schumacher directed an episode of... of and it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Joel Schumacher's directed some okay stuff. I, I think I know, Falling I'm not, Down and Lost We like to good. shit yeah. on him because of the Batman, Batman movies, movies. Which are truly shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I like to think that we will hear very soon, probably this week, casting. Well, there has been rumors um, about Pedro Pascal being one of the leads. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that. I, I I saw it on IMDb okay. I think and but other than that, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. To and see I like the it. idea of having uh, a series where you can spend a little bit more time on these planets and learn some of the the, the ways that they live and, and interact together. Because I feel like we get snippets of that, but a lot of the Star Wars content is so like it has to keep moving that you right. don't spend a ton of time. Sure, you know how Tatooine works because of uh, Luke's. Uh, family's farm and and i just want to see uh, people drinking milk uh, right the blue milk and then uh just milking those cows (laughs) just like drip down people's beards (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah i don't know i I like the idea of a live action star wars series where we can kind of take take our time and and really you um, can explore the universe and the settings instead of just having to rush around with the plot yeah um yeah like i I mean that's that's the thing that we've talked about a lot is that there's a whole universe to explore that's not tied to the skywalker saga like i like that this is a a gunslinger right like it's gonna well that's i mean that's partly what george lucas based the series on was you know uh, classic westerns, uh, serial space serials, and and Akira Kurosawa Japanese mm-hmm. samurai movies. Like these were the influences that brought you know Star Wars or put Star Wars together or made Star Wars. So if they're kind of looking at those influences and not trying to just take the, the you know the the minutia and, and the mythology that's already there, then I think it's going to be much richer for that. And like you said, like I think like like a classic, you know, uh, guns drawn, saloon fighting, you know, Star Wars movie is perfect for this storyline that we've you know been reading about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm uh, this Disney streaming service is going to be like it. I'm just fascinated because it looked like no one could compete with Netflix, and then Disney was like, "Well, we have a ton of money, and we're going to try." Yeah, and I mean, of... it could take over Netflix at some point. Well, that's what I'm thinking, man. Like, if anyone was going to like, imagine 
imagine 10 years from now and like netflix becomes like blockbuster something where disney just fucked them (laughs) and just like and was like sorry like and they like what happens if disney goes you know what we're not just going to have our own content we're going to compete for the same kind of content that you're going for where netflix has stepped away from trying to get like you know, they buy The Office or, or Parks and Rec or whatever, like, you know, like syndicated kind of right. um, older shows. Where they're they trying to create more of their original, original content. With the, they, I mean, they still do have syndicated shows and, and licensing agreements with, with certain studios. But the thing that I am worried about with that is that I, I always believe that there should be a competitor. That there shouldn't, that it shouldn't just be. Well, it makes one, both better, right? Yeah, like, and, it, and it shouldn't just be one or nothing because that monopoly over over uh, something, whether Disney it be media, is starting to do that even is in scary the, because yeah. that's. I think that is too much power, and yeah. and I think you need a balance in the force. <laughs> I'm with you, dude, and yeah. I think that's what people are most worried about with uh, this Disney takeover of Fox, which should happen. People say it might even happen this year by yeah. the end of the year, um, which is crazy. And um, we've talked about what happens with X-Men and things like that. But then also what happens when you have one company that owns such a huge chunk of the market, right? Right. And like, and all these properties and like, I, I mean, again, they are Disney. So I think a lot of the adult oriented original programming is probably going to stay at Netflix unless Disney somehow has an adult section. But if they're going to call it like Disney Play, um, and actually have Disney in the title of the streaming service, like you're not going to get R-rated content probably right. on and there. And they'll right? probably sell out, sell off some of those bigger properties that maybe, you know, a company like Universal or Paramount could take over, like an Alien or a Predator franchise. I mean, yeah, that's what's going to be interesting, but I feel like they could do a lot with that kind of stuff. But well, they like, could, but, um, are, but is that the brand they want if they don't have an umbrella for for you know for adults right like it's like oh we'll put this in our our uh you know our brockheimer touchstone well, label yeah and we've we might have talked about that on the show because we I, I think we probably um, have but of what they're going to do with the, that more adult content and what they do with fox in general do they they're not going to call it fox because yeah uh, murdoch and is, is still keeping the fox name and um uh, and same and same um, thing with Searchlight. So they call yeah. it Disney Searchlight. No, I feel like they'll just call that Searchlight. That yeah. makes sense. But then, what do you call 20th Century Fox? Do you or 21st Century Fox? Whatever. Do you call it just 21st Century? Do you call it uh, Touchstone like you used to? I feel like you still want to keep that intro. Uh, this is how nerdy I am, but you you got to keep the so you probably call it. Do you call it 20th Century Disney? I doubt that they keep the Disney thing will probably be their family properties. So right. like, um, well, unless they come up with a completely new uh, and just keep that head. intro song, so you know that these are still kind yeah. of under the Fox brand. But like, I think maybe you just go with 20th Century, right? 20th Century Films or something like that. Like, it's so weird because um, I mean that, like, I mean it doesn't affect the quality of the films either way. But I mean that logo and that studio so iconic is it yeah and it and like for it to be absorbed into disney and then you know change the way it is like it is significant in 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 terms of you know the one of the big six studios being completely devoured like I, it makes me wonder what will happen with paramount and universal and down the line and sony and like what their plans will be and and how the system will you know, survive and adapt. I think you'll have a big four maybe eventually or three. Like, I feel like you'll get another two companies will merge. Um, Well, we've already seen that universal has tried to acquire 
uh, Fox. So I would say Universal probably reaches out to Sony or um, or Paramount. Or we've already heard rumors of Lionsgate getting picked up by Amazon. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to streaming services purchasing, and, and what about Warner like, Brothers? Because they even kind of changed their their subtitle. What about Netflix uh, too, uh, man? Netflix, uh, Time, uh, Time Media at the bottom. Yeah, now, so, and yeah. Um, it's fascinating because you could see Netflix step in and go, you know, or Apple, right? Apple's been rumored to uh, make a big play for um, a studio because they have bazillions of dollars, right? right? Which Just they could be there. the new competitors against Disney. Um, and that would be interesting because they, we've already they're they're already in pre-production on a number of TV s- series, and yeah. they're buying rights to certain books and first look deals. So, if if anybody is going to challenge Disney for you know top tier studio uh, status, it will probably be uh, Apple. Yeah, you think so? Or Amazon? Amazon, I think is when the you other... come when you're thinking of just streaming or just well, films I'm just in think, general, I'm thinking like just content. In, in, like content generating productions. I think the big three will be like the the ones standing twenty years from now, Netflix, thirty years will Disney. be Netflix, Netflix, Disney, maybe Apple, maybe I, Amazon's the other one where I think Amazon does have a, a, a quite a wealth. Of, yeah, I mean they because they make so same with Apple, they make yeah. their money elsewhere, so they don't need to have it all their eggs in one basket of like no, this needs to succeed, and so does Disney to an extent with its theme parks and its merchandising, and but that all relies on their content, right? right. Where Apple is still going to make millions of dollars, billions of dollars off laptops and and phones and, and and Amazon with just fucking groceries and owning the universe, right? Um, and ordering anything um so that's why i think amazon and apple will be around no matter what well, i right? think like amazon is need... going to become the art house uh, of, streaming of streaming services because you look at what they're producing now like they like you said like uh revenue wise they they're not worried about uh, you know I'm, I'm sure that they're happy with great success they can um green light some things yeah. that they don't need to be like these will sell our service because it's just an added yeah, benefit. Yeah, because when they when they decided to produce, you were never really here. I'm sure they weren't thinking this is going to be a blockbuster movie. No, they're taking right? risks and they're probably thinking long term. And and again, they don't need to make all of their money in their streaming service, yeah. right? It's an added thing you get. You get it with Amazon Prime. Most people are getting Amazon Prime for free shipping and like and yeah. things like that. And, and unlike like, Netflix, they're not going to make the filmmakers you know, use a particular type of camera or say... It's more well, eclectic. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, you're going to get, like, variations in, in um, aesthetic and, and style. And, and not saying that you don't get that on Netflix, but I agree with you that a lot of the stuff does feel like Netflix. Yeah. Like, it does have a certain uh, look to it and, um, and... Super glossy, sometimes almost too clean. You know, with, Especially with, when it's got in 4K and Dolby Vision. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, like, very... And some stuff it works and some it doesn't, right? Agreed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how Disney handles it. And, I mean, they have such a crazy list of properties that they can mess with, right? Yeah. And then um, uh, I just hope they don't 
go the PG thirteen route with a lot of those other R rated properties that they took from. Yeah, Fox I mean, I don't mind them then... going PG thirteen with properties that are already PG thirteen. No, I agree, but I mean, taking the diehards and the aliens and the predators. And, yeah, and, and then they release like an R rated um, version on you know a streaming service or four K because I find those are the like you look at Live Free or Die Hard. Not that it was a good movie to begin with, but yeah, but that was Fo- that's still Fox. I just no, but like... I mean in terms of like giving it the PG thirteen rating. But Disney has nailed that PG thirteen kind of film right Right. so i feel like i'm worried that they'd be like well look at how successful we've made these other properties in pg-13 and they still have an somewhat of an edge to them in in certain times and right some of them are more grown-up fair i mean it it depends like their prestigious stuff like lincoln or or uh uh, what's it called the lighthouse movie with uh, Michael Fassman. Between Oceans. But, yeah, the Light Between Oceans. Yeah. So films like that, or even Bridge of Spies, like if you have a prestigious filmmaker or a movie that is more awards-based, I think they'll leave you alone for the most part and let you make your movie, even if it is still PG-13. Oh, and they'll, they'll throw Touchstone or Bona Vista or, or um, whatever they call Fox. So, um, But yeah, the rumor is that they won't have any R-rated content on the streaming service. Like right. It's all going to be pg-13 and and lower right and i guess you you probably have to do that unless you have very very good parental controls on it right Right. because a lot of little kids are going to be using this right although i have to say kids today are pretty safeguarded like in terms of like content like i remember when like we were young you think they are safeguarded a lot of them yeah yeah i mean like in the way that i remember a kid can just look at dicks anytime (laughs) they want on the internet man like i think think it was worse when we were growing up i remember going to sex.com when i was like young but that's what i mean but but i mean now it feels like there there are more safeguards with that i can like yeah i can try and yeah we're like you, you can just you, yeah, you use can, protection. You you can set something up on your TV and your computer, TV and, yeah. and and it can block that and it can keep the kids safe. But I remember like when we were kids, we just you know see something on late night cable, baby and be like, blue, yeah, baby blue too on, on city, TV city TV with yeah. uh, Mark Daly doing the voiceover intro. Right. Rest in peace, Mark Daly. Um, but like stuff like that, where it felt like there was something weirder, or like like we were able to be exposed to certain things that maybe we weren't supposed to at a younger age. Right, and maybe because I'm not even thinking about having a kid yet where I'm like, well, couldn't they just like put in... I do agree that like, the access to like anything is, is more And that's scary, what I'm saying. Like, but... Even if you're a perfect parent and you put blocks on all of your shit, you don't think he's going to go to some dumb kid in his class who his parents don't give a shit and he's going to go, yo, show me a dick on your phone <laughs> or like something. Although like, why would why would they necessarily go to the dick I don't right know. away? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I just feel like... Um, yeah, it's both easier and I guess uh, I'm not going to use the word harder. Um, <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so Mandalorian. <laughs> that was a transition. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited, man. i uh very curious. It, the Disney Play is the rumored name, which is not a great name. No, I think they um, need to come up with something more catchy. That's what I mean, and I feel like they shouldn't have Disney in the Well, because, I mean, I also with why, Google but... Play, like, yeah, you know. Right, the Google Play Store, yeah. Yeah. It's such a generic name. I hope they come up with something different. But, yeah. Um, but I'm excited for that. And, um, I mean, I love Star Wars. So the more Star Wars, the better. Until, like, I... It's too much, I guess. I don't right. know. I don't know what that number is. Like, 
it was starting to feel it like solo just did not feel special yeah well like, it didn't feel like a star wars movie it just felt like a sci-fi adventure film where the character which happened is, to be named han solo yeah i mean I, i'm not I, saying that that's a bad thing i'm just yeah. saying that it's not necessarily a star wars movie where like i think i think the thing that makes a star wars movie special now is how much time you take between each movie because with the force awakens there was enough time between that and and revenge of the sith to really get people excited again so i think like i mean depending on when the ryan johnson series goes into production after the final uh installment in the jj abrams series like if that if they wait two or three or, or maybe even five years and then we get some streaming service stuff maybe. yeah and, and in between like... that and then when we get the movie again maybe it'll feel special but i like that's even the same way where i felt with with marvel you know, marvel but also like with with batman where right. like after batman and and robin batman uh, begins didn't come out until 2005 so we had like almost a because it was 90, right? 97, yeah. right? So, yeah, so we had time in between that to really build up an interest. Thousand again. percent with you. And I think when we first heard about them doing all this Star Wars stuff, that was our one worry is we, we don't want to get to a point. I mean, it's it's weird to say like too much is not a good thing, but like, right. or, or more is not a good thing. But like, if we were getting three Star Wars movies a year, and Marvel has found a way, but I feel like. With Marvel, because you're using a different established character each time, it can right. still feel special because well, you still might be getting like, okay, well, we haven't gotten an Iron Man movie since uh, right. Iron Man 3. But the but, gimmick like, is for that is that it's it's television on the big screen in the sense that these characters all connect in yeah. the same universe. Where Star Wars is connected, but not everything needs to be connected. It's right. the same universe, but you don't need the characters showing up in... Yeah, for like the one other, ultimate yeah, you know, team, uh, up, team up. And that's, and that's kind of what the novelty originally was with uh, the Marvel movies, and now it's become more of a gimmick because we've we've had three of them now, so people are just expecting that. But it's it, the thing that'll be fascinating with Marvel moving on after uh, Avengers four is where they'll go with new characters. So I have a prediction. If we can, we're gonna wrap up in a sec, yeah. well, let's go 10, 15 minutes more, and then I gotta shower and get a haircut before we go. Yeah. Um, I have a prediction for fa- the next phase of Marvel that I haven't talked about that okay. I was uh, I want to talk to you about. Uh, so excited for Star Wars, but now getting back to Marvel, I, I, if I was handling it, or maybe my prediction, I don't know where the hell I stand on this, is that there was a rumor the other day I read that they um, commissioned a script. They're commissioning tons of scripts. We know that, but they commissioned a script for Dark Avengers. And do you know what Dark Avengers is? Where it's like all the villains playing um, essentially like a, a version of like it would be so like Suicide Squad, but for yeah, but um, Marvel, yeah, but. They're led by Norman Osborn in the comics, and he's playing Iron Man, essentially, right? Right. And then each villain, so like Matt Gargan, who's usually Scorpion, is playing, uh, he's got the symbiote, and he's playing Spider-Man. Symbiotes? But they're all like dark versions of of different uh, Avenger characters. But they're played by one of the the villains. villains. Yes, and they're like a... uh, uh, So anyways, they're commissioning that script. What I think would be cool... um, is doing a phase that is all Avengers movies. Does this make sense? In the sense that um, for a while in the comics, there was all these spinoffs of the Avengers where there was secret Avengers who were like a black ops team that would go and do like um, 
missions for shield or the government that were supposed to be super top secret and it's more of like a spy movie right. um kind of maybe in the vein of winter soldier or something like that but a um a team of secret Avengers. So what would that lead up to? um, Not even leading up, or maybe you do a bunch of these different Avengers movies because then you have West Coast Avengers or um, you could even do an Alpha Flight movie or like... I'm um, into the Alpha um, Flight um, movie. And like, uh, I don't know, but I I thought it could be cool like if you go the next phase and then you start revealing the names and they're all like different versions of Avengers movies and different team-ups. Because I feel Um, people might get kind of sick of it the way with Star Wars then at that point where it's like, well, the whole point of the Marvel movies now it feels like it's building to but it would still build movie. to something I feel like and because and I like the idea of, of the the Suicide Squad for uh, Marvel villains like you could have Loki and and you know uh, Michael B Jordan's character Eric Killmonger and uh, you know Vulture and stuff like that all team up and and do something interesting like that might because there's work. new Avengers that could be one right yeah. which you use the new team whatever's after. Um, Infinity War 2. I mean, who then, doesn't like, want Jared Leto um, to show up as Morpheus? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I feel like you could do a new Avengers. You could do a Dark Avengers. You could do a Secret Avengers. Um, but the thing, I, I don't know. I'm just, like, for me, because I remember being really into Secret Avengers, and it was when Cap wasn't Cap. He was just Steve Rogers, and he, um, um, and he was leading that team of more of, like, a Black Ops team. Well, Chris Evans, um, I mean, I guess maybe that's movie news in a, in a way to kind of relate to this is, you know, he tweeted that this is this is it for him. Like, he's done now after shooting the final day of, of Yeah, of that's production. a weird... I don't know why they would just be like, yeah, you can... And you're starting to see things trickle out um, for the next Avengers movie. Like, there was that thing with... I think um, Spider-Man's alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, there there was that thing that Mark Ruffalo tweeted that he was going to reveal the name on... Um, not Jimmy Fallon. Was it Jimmy Fallon? It might have been Jimmy Fallon. On his Instagram page? Um, yeah, and then they bleeped it out and stuff like that. So I feel like you're going to hear the name Well, I heard it was the, the rumor was called Annihilation. Avengers like some, Annihilation. Someone made yeah. a joke that it's like Natalie Portman saves the day. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But like... Um, which would be... Or no, it was Annihilated, which would be a weird title just in terms of like... You'd think it'd be something more uplifting because it's like, you know the way that Star Wars did it, right? Like with Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi instead of Revenge of the Jedi. I like Avenge Us. So it's Avengers just split up into Avenge Us. But I don't know... Then I think as a marketer, and I'm like, they won't title it that because you want Avengers in the title for like search purposes and things like that. Like if it was just Avengers, no Venom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. um, We'll talk more about this and like maybe I'll put together my thoughts a little bit more because... um, Well, I'm I'm sure once once we do get confirmation of what the title is, there will be a little more information on what to go on or what what's what's next but when when is the next like big d23 thing like when when do they announce like their next phase of films because usually at those events they announce you know like the Marvel so you movies, think the are, is there films. a d there wasn't a d23 this year no, right I so, so i think there is one next year which is probably right after um the next avengers movie yeah. right because that's in may right or yeah april? may or april may because we'll, what we probably will get what or what will be on that timeline is black widow uh eternals the spider-man movie um black panther 2 guardians 3 yeah ant-man 3 maybe another thor movie mm-hmm. well ant-man 3 because I'm, I'm thinking like 
they do it in threes, they right? will yeah no he'll get one yeah dark i'm looking up dark avengers right now and um you had norman osborne uh matt gargan playing spider-man um you have uh oh um what's his name bullseye playing hawkeye he plays um, daredevil huh yeah i know so uh, maybe it would be something like that, that actor looks horrible who is it i don't know yeah. some generic tv actor this is what i don't like about and we're gonna go on another i'll just wrap it up but like that's what i don't like about that netflix universe is like the ruining like really good marvel characters and villains that like again d'onofrio could show up in the spider-man right. movies he's good enough and he's a big enough actor i guess that he could um but bullseye's a great like bullseye and hawkeye could have been really cool like if you wanted to do something actually interesting with hawkeye right. <laughs> um anyways i don't know but uh, i'll put together my um thoughts a little bit more on that okay so eric we are about to head to new york next week we will be back um with another episode talking about our uh, adventures probably um yeah. in new york city where we are going to see venom at an alamo draft house which yes. i'm very excited about we've been talking about uh checking out uh, an alamo for a, a long long time i feel like and i um i will be able to finally do that when we're there and then we're also seeing the coen brothers the ballad of buster scruggs at the new york film festival and then we're also seeing uh, the orson welles film um the other side of the wind the other side of the wind at uh, the new york film festival as well so we'll have reviews of all three of those films next week yes um anything else you're excited for in new york uh, visiting the Seinfeld Diner, uh, maybe Times Square, hitting up a couple, uh, Blu-ray DVD shops, you know, that kind of stuff. Just, I think some Shake Shack, Shake Shack. I think that that is like, we're not going to approach it as just like doing the tourist thing. Just walk around and enjoy it. And because we're not going to be there that long. Right. We're there for three days. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it should be fun, man. And, um, you guys will hear all about it next week so uh once again thank you guys for joining us uh this has been the seventh draft of the untitled movie podcast you can find us each and every week monday mornings 9 a.m eastern standard time on podcast services uh including apple Podcasts, google play spotify and stitcher as well as any other one that i'm missing and if we're not on something please let us know and we will try to get there um we'll get on it exactly uh you can find all of my work at various places like in the seats uh cineplex and uh on my twitter at matt rorabek uh you can find uh, all of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i am on twitter and instagram at em6211 see you next week guys